0: Gracious God, we thank you for your enduring word. Draw us ever closer to Christ Jesus through your word this morning. And let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Gracious God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Growing up in the Midwest, once a month, every I think it was Wednesday of the month, there was a siren that went off. Did you have that as, as well? Raise your hand if you had that, just out of curiosity. Okay, so a lot of people had that. It was the, what we called the tornado siren, the, uh, to make sure that we were prepared in case there was an emergency, right? And sometimes when it was really dark and cloudy and stormy, the siren would go off. And what did you do if you were in the Midwest? You went in the basement, right, into a safe room. You, they did this every month to test the system and to make sure that you were prepared. As a matter of fact, I bet growing up in elementary school, a lot of you did tornado drills or something like that as well. Even in the business world, when I work in corporate America, we would do drills like that as well because we needed to be ready when the time came. The reason I'm talking about this is because we need to be ready when he comes. You see, Jesus is going to come again, and the question is, are you ready? That's the question. So this week and next week, we're going to spend some time, Matthew chapter 24, next week the end of Matthew 25, and it talks about the end times. And now there are some churches that avoid talking about the end times because it's, it's so serious and doom and gloom and all of that, and so they don't want to talk about that at all. There are other churches that go all the way to the other end, and that's all they talk about, the end times. So we're not going to do either side, but we're going to give it its due weight to be appropriate because Jesus gave this warning and promises to his disciples, so you and I need to heed the warnings and and really hold on to the promises that he has given us. So we've got basically two don'ts that he gives and two do's that Jesus gives. So this morning, it is don't jump the gun, don't be swept away. Those are the don'ts. The two do's are stay awake During the sermon, stay awake. Sorry, it was there, wasn't it? You were some of you were thinking about that. It's a little broader context than staying awake. But also be a wise and faithful servant. Okay, those are the four areas. Let's go to our text here. Matthew twenty-four, verse thirty-six. But concerning the day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father. Only. Now, I'm sure some of you have heard the phrase, jumping the gun. It's for foot races where there's the starter's gun and the runner's start before the actual gun has gone off. So they go ahead before they should. Jesus has been as clear as possible that no one will know the hour or the day. The Father only knows that. He gives that because there's a compulsion to want to try to figure it out. The disciples had that compulsion. People in his time had that compulsion. People throughout the ages have had the compulsion to jump the gun when it comes to the end times. The problem is there are three problems with the compulsion to jump the gun. They are, one, being rooted in pride. Two, displaces emphasis on the gospel. And three, creates apathy and cynicism. So let's talk about this. When people say, I can figure out when the end time is, what they do is say, God, step aside. I'm going to sit on your throne a little bit because I've got it all figured out. That's not only pride. We would call that hubris, which is excessive pride and leads to downfall. But people are so engaged on trying to figure out the exact day time that it takes over their lives. And it happened certainly in the year 1000. In the year 1000, the millennial, uh, churches were so filled with people Because even at the sound of loud thunder, they thought the world was going to end during that year. And some people didn't even plant crops. They were so sure the end times was going to be then. And now in the year 1,666, does that sound interesting? 666, mark of the beast. So something, you got the millennial and the mark of the beast, so something bad must happen then. And then also... Other times in the 1800s, there's a fellow named Miller, William Miller, and he predicted the return of Christ Jesus was April 3rd, 1844. Now, there are a lot of people who really believed him. They were called Millerites. And some of these people did this they went to mountaintops, hoping to have a head start to heaven perhaps. Others were in graveyards waiting to ascend along with their relatives that had passed before. There were some even high-minded, high-society ladies who waited outside the city of Philadelphia so they wouldn't ascend with the common folk. And then in Bible study this week, I mentioned a fellow Harold Camping. Harold Camping uh, declared the end of the world would be in 1992, 1993, 1994, May 21st 2011 and then on October 21st 2011 he died December 15th 2013 you would have thought that he would have quit before he was head but you see this is pride isn't it Jesus has been very clear but oh no I can figure it out well let's go to the second one cuz this this is very difficult there are a lot of people who place so much emphasis on the end times that that's all they talk about. You know, when people see a good movie or they're really engaged in a hobby or something, that's all they really want to talk about. And after a while, you're going to go, oh! There are some people who talk about the end times, what's happening in the world, what's happening in Israel, all to the effect of not even really talking about, well, what will save you? Jesus Christ and His gospel. Jesus didn't come just to talk about end times, He came. For the good news. Now, this last part, it creates apathy and cynicism. Harold Camping declared that the world, the second coming, and the end of the world, five times. Right? How do you think people treated him at the end? Yeah, there's another kook, right? Another religious kook. As a matter of fact, they take a look at all these predictions throughout all time and go, well, Jesus hasn't come yet. And so the scriptures must not be true. And Jesus must not be God. So let's eat, drink, and be merry because he's not coming back. So they are scoffers, right? They become scoffers at the whole thing. Peter wrote about this, 2 Peter chapter 3. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Look, the scoffing was an issue before Jesus, during Jesus, and after Jesus. So we are warned not to jump the gun. And we're also warned, be careful about this, we're also warned then not to go on the other side and just ignore it as well. Because if we all just ignore it, we could then be swept away. And so the other warning is, don't be swept away. Verse 37, For as were the days of Noah so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now let me give you a real-life true example. December 6, 26, 2004, Christmas uh, it was called the Christmas. Uh, su- it's called Christmas tsunami. I know it's a silent T. I always want to say it. Twenty fifth, twenty sixth, the Christmas tsunami. It happened in the Indian Ocean, and it was a huge, huge earthquake. It was so strong and powerful it actually shook the whole Earth four tenths of an inch, almost half an inch. It shook the earth. There was a massive, massive tsunami as high as 100 feet tall killed over 230,000 people in 14 countries. It was massive. Now, I've watched some videos. There's some short videos out there of the actual tsunami. And it's really interesting You see people just on the beach a couple minutes before the wave hits, and they are just going about their day as if nothing were to happen. They were not warned. They were unaware of their impending death. That's the type of warning that Jesus is giving regarding Noah. So the people in the days of Noah, they had a lot of opportunities, but they ignored the warnings. They were going about drinking, marrying, doing things just as normal people would do. But they had received warnings because they weren't simply innocent. God didn't flood the earth simply because people were innocent. No, They were engaged in all of their sinful desires going on in ignorance, thinking that nothing would befall them. But in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God told Noah to build an ark. Now, we don't know how long it actually took to build the ark, but Noah, when he entered the ark, was 600 years old. So we're going to guess it took a few years to build the ark, right? And the people could have heard the message from Noah because in 2 Peter, Peter says that Noah was a messenger, a herald of righteousness. So Noah would have been there being a herald of God's righteousness. And when you talk about the holiness and righteousness of God, you also then talk about the sinfulness of man and the need to repent. But the people ignored that message, which could have saved them. And I'm sure they not only ignored, I'm sure they were scoffers as well. Can you imagine a couple standing out, looking out their window? Look at that guy building an ark i mean there goes the neighborhood right look he's just crazy and he's been doing it for years have you ever tried to talk to him every time you talk to him it's just all doom and gloom repent because we're being sinful there's just another crazy guy but their scoffing didn't save them did it their ignorance didn't save them Even their rationalization of like, well, he's got his way, I've got my way, that didn't save them at all, nor did their procrastination save them. They were swept away. You know what? You and I live very much like we're in the age of Noah. We really do. We really are. There is a rejection of God's word and his righteousness. In the newspaper, not uh, I think not last week, week before, there was a short little article. That's a picture of it. The Methodist church in town called the Fountains. They said they are starting a new sermon series. And this is what it says. To investigate and disarm the destructive power of obsolete and harmful notions of hell. Satan, original sin, omnipotence, biblical inerrancy, and the need to be born again. This is happening in our own town, and they are proud of what they are doing. They reject Christ Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as the only way. They reject him as the way, the truth, and the life. They reject that he atoned for sins on the cross. See, if they would actually only read and believe God's word, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Sobering, isn't it? So on one end, you can't jump the gun. On the other end, you can't just ignore it and be swept away. So what are we to do? We are to stay awake. So this is going to be verse 40 through 44. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two men will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Have you ever been sleeping and there's a noise that happens, a loud noise that makes you wake up? get your heart pumping a little again because you don't know exactly what that is. Well, when Heidi and I moved into our first home in South Minneapolis, summer night, gunshots on the block. We woke up. Called 911 because that's what you do, right? And then you're awake for a long time listening. Your, Your senses become very hyperinflated, so to speak, and you're just listening and waiting. But after a while, you do kind of fall asleep, and then another night there's another gunshot, nine one one, but this time kind of go hmm, and then after a while, amazingly enough, you get kind of used to gunshots, and it's weird, and you kind of go well, it's two blocks down, not a big deal. And after a while, you kind of fall asleep faster, and it's not as big of a deal for you. It's still a big deal, by the way, but not as big. This is kind of, in a way, how it goes with our spiritual aliveness, that when you are born again, and by the way, you must be born again, that's what Jesus said, when you are born again and you're alive in the Spirit, there, there's a, a, a sense of vibrance a sense of urgency, a sense of wanting to read his word, of looking at the things that are happening around the world and discerning. But after a while, right, the world doesn't end, the news cycles change, even church can kind of become routine, right? And you start to get lulled into a spiritual slumber. And it's really easy. To become involved and fall asleep, a spiritual slumber. Yeah, it's a good picture, right? (laughs) Yeah, there'll be a quiz afterwards for those. Did you see that picture? What was that picture? Okay. (laughs) But it's really easy, right? Just to kind of go with the flow. But Jesus says we must stay awake. And when you are alive in the Spirit, there are a couple things. To be alive in the Spirit is to be awake and ready no matter the hour or day. If Jesus came right now, would you be ready? If he came at three in the morning, would you be ready? We are also then To be alive in the Spirit is to be children of the light. And that's what we have. uh, Children of the light and following and guided by Jesus. Uh, Verse 4 from 1 Thessalonians are reading there. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of the light. Children of day. We are not of the night or darkness. So then, let us... Not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So we are to be awake, but we're not to be in such a hyper-awareness state that we are worn out or anxious or fearful. As a matter of fact, when you are in his light, there is no fear when you are children of the light and walking in his light, walking in his path, there is no fear. Fear not was a huge message in our church all of last year. You know, fear not, fear not. God reassures his people again and again to fear not. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your reward will be very great. From our reading from Isaiah 35 today, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with a recompense of God. He will come and save you. And then in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. God speaks to those who he loves, who know his son, and he reassures them, fear not. So we are to stay awake, to be alert, but not fearful, to be confident. And we are also then to be a wise and faithful servant. Let's go to our text here. Verse 45, and I'm going to read through 51. Who then is the faithful and wife's servant, whom his master set over his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an, at an hour he does not know, and will cut him to pieces, and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you and I are to be wise servants during this time of being awake. As faithful servants, we are to do the work that he has entrusted us to do. Now, Jesus really fleshes this out, what it means to be a wise servant in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. I actually gave a message on that last year during this time. And if you haven't listened to it, I would encourage you to go online and listen to it. He really fleshes it out. It's about this story, and it begins this way this parable. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. So the master, Jesus the king, has gone. He's entrusted his precious things with his servants. Two of them are given very large amounts, and what they do is they utilize the talents, the money, and they put it to good work, to good use. But, and so they're rewarded for that. But one just puts it in the ground and doesn't do anything with it, and he is severely punished. You see, you and I are to be faithful servants of the Lord with what he has given us, to live a life of service. So it's not just about staying awake, it is about being a a servant of the Lord, living a life of service. And this one isn't a burden, it's actually to be a joy. The work of the Lord is the joy of the Lord. So when we are doing things for the sake of the gospel, it's not like, oh, i got to volunteer at church, you know, which is really easy to do, isn't it? It's easy for me to do, too. I can get in that. But to remember, ah, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good, right? And that's why we do it. And when we do that, we enter into His joy. That's the type of things we are to do, be of service, and the joy of the Lord while we stay awake. Now, wouldn't it be nice to end the message right here? It really, really would. Oh, it's just one of joy. But Jesus doesn't end it there. As a matter of fact, he makes it very serious. So we can't just skip this. We really have to go ahead And talk about what happens when you don't obey his word. So I'm just going to put this on white for now, for a moment. Okay. We are not to be like in the days of Noah, kind of going, oh, I'm saved, but then, and I go to church on Sunday. But then again, I just go ahead and I go get drunk. I go watch movies I shouldn't watch. I do all sorts of things I shouldn't be doing, but I go to church. Right? Not to do that at all. That's just like the days of Noah then. You see, for people like that, they're the hypocrites. They're not living the life that they should be living. Now, let me distinguish this, by the way. How many of you believe what we're talking about and try to do your best and yet fail? I put my hand up every day. For those who are visitors, one of my favorite song lyrics, it ain't no crime to be stupid, but I still get busted every day. Right? But then there's a spirit of... (laughs) Yeah, you get a new crowd, you got to work it in. But, But there's a spirit of repentance that goes with that, right? I know what I am to do. I have failed. I repent and ask for forgiveness. That's not being a hypocrite. A true hypocrite is one who believes, who says they believe something, they say it, but they actually don't believe it. And then they do just the opposite. That's a true hypocrite, right? It, we call that two faced. And on the picture of there, you've got a, the mask of somebody smiling and then ready to stab you in the back the minute you walk away. So, how do we stab people in the back? Well, it's really easy. We gossip, don't we? And we say things. All sorts of things that we know we shouldn't say. And we're not even sorry about it. That makes you a hypocrite if you're down that road. And Jesus gives a severe warning. For those who take their faith just casually, but are really hypocrites, what does he say? You're going to be cut to pieces, a place where there is a wailing, a gnashing of teeth. That's the seriousness that Jesus talks about here. So we need to take it in that seriousness. But you, what are you to do? You are to be children of light, right? You are to be children of light and live in the day. So let's talk about things you do here. Don't trust, don't jump the gun. Trust God's timing in all of this. Look, I don't know when the last day will be. I don't know when I will die, when Jesus will come again. I do know, though, that he has given me work to do. And I'm to do that work. The next one is don't be swept away. So be aware of the seasons. You know, I talk about the things that are happening in this town, like what the Methodist church is going, just so you can be aware, not to make you afraid, but you can be aware of what is going on around you. Stay awake. Are you spiritually alive in Christ Jesus? Are you sharing his light with those in darkness? See, we come together in worship to be awakened again, so to speak, right? Because it's really easy to doze a little bit during the week. And we come here and we're woken up and thus we should then Share that light of Christ Jesus with others. It could be a small little way, it could be a large way, don't know. That's the work that we are to do. Stay awake to, and to be a wise and faithful servant. And when you do that, you know what you have? Joy. You have the joy of the Lord from our reading in Isaiah, and the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Brothers and sisters, stay awake, be ready, be children of the light, be faithful servants unto him. And all the people said, Amen.